Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm sat in a small town in California, about 10 miles away from an even smaller town called Manchester, California. And I've come here because I got a text yesterday off Phil Holt, who is a lifelong Manchester United fan, but more than that, is a United fan who's very well respected among the hardcore supporters who go home and away. I think Phil's probably seen United playing around 50 countries and he'll probably correct me and say it's 52 or 48 or whatever. And United fans who go home and away will recognise Phil, but this podcast isn't just about Phil because I'm sat around a table with five gentlemen um, who also go to every single Manchester United game home and away and on pre-season games. So people like Mick Burgess from Blackpool. I first saw Mick on a plane to Lisbon in 1992 for a friendly game to celebrate Eusebio's 50th anniversary. It was the first ever game that Eric Cantona played in and there were a couple of hundred United fans and most of them were on a scheduled flight out of Manchester and Bobby Charlton was on the plane and he was working up and down saying hello to people and the image of, that some fans have of Bobby Charlton isn't always positive but he was very polite that day but I was fascinated by this big man from Blackpool singing Suck My Cock, It's Blackpool Rock and that was Mick Burgess, and as many of you who go to games will, will, will know. Barmy Kev is also sat around the table. Kevin is the proud owner of the Beswick flag, which has followed around Beswick. I'm being corrected already. Um, Kev goes absolutely everywhere with United. I first bumped into Kev in Norway in 1991 when we were driving around United's pre-season tour, and Kevin was carrying uh, two suitcases of old United programmes and he was selling them to Scandinavian fans as a way of funding his trip. Now, if you think how heavy paper is, this is in the days before airlines started getting conscious of how, how heavy the bags were, but it was like carrying two bodies round in a bag. And I'm not sure how many he sold, but it didn't seem to be too many because the weight of it was pretty much... We sold loads of them, not a lot. He's saying that he... he uh, well, it, it can maybe explain to us how many he sold. Paul Webster. Webby is um, another lad who sat around the table. Um, Paul's originally from Bolton. His catchphrase is beautiful. Um, seen United absolutely everywhere. Um, I first bumped into Paul... I think in Volgograd in 1995, where I think 150 United fans travelled there independently, and we sat in the home end, and we were surrounded by Russian police who were very kindly, and they, they were some of them were even offering us vodka, but they did say to us, even though none of us could speak Russian, that what I understood was just behave yourselves because if you don't, you're getting filled in by the locals. And I, I remember Paul from that day and he may tell me that he, I met him earlier than that I don't know but I, I remember something he told me that day which, which uh, he hadn't missed a game since um, he talks about a game in Leicester when he was 8 or something like that it was ridiculous and my memory will have failed me because this is 20, uh, 20 years ago um, Danny is more lies more lies see look at them all <laughs> Danny from Stockport originally I've known him as Danny from Stockport um, remember sitting on a plane with him on the pre-season tour to the Far East in 2001, 
talking to you there. You know, it's really funny how your memory is because I can go six months at a time without seeing you, and yet I can remember having a chat with you about printers on the plane to Japan. Now, this podcast is not going to be about printers. We're going to talk about more interesting things. But Mick from from Blackpool, why why are you sat in California watching United in 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 a pretty meaningless pre-season. What is it that brings you time and time again? Just love doing it. Just love doing it. You know, good company, good laugh, good places to go to. Watching United. I'd rather, I'd rather have this in the Champions League. Why? You know, because Champions League, same old, same old. A uh, lot of the time, full of knobheads. Whereas this is just a good time, good drink, meeting different people. You know, just enjoy it a lot better. So when, do the Champions League, right? When you say full of knobheads, without getting all sort of fan snobbery, I remember the worst Champions League game I went to was United in Lons, Lille, a couple of years ago. And I thought it was full of knobheads. I thought that there were probably five or 6,000 United fans. And a lot of people who'd gone there had no respect for the local community there, completely annihilated. People drink on these trips, it's fine. But I thought there was a, an arrogance about some of the United fans... Um, in Lons that time and I've seen act-ups on, on European trips and yet you go further afield remember got to Istanbul last year which was potentially very problematic and walking into a bar and seeing Tony O'Neill and all of his lads and they'd all had a good drink but they knew the limits they, they knew not to antagonise the locals they knew that if you acted up in Turkey it's going to come on top yeah well it's, it's usually as well though that the uh the, the knobheads are the ones who don't get collared and the decent ones get collared but no, just um, that's what, you're a bit older as well 20 years on so it's a little bit different as well there have been times in your life where you've, you've um, I'm trying to be diplomatic here you've, you will have come to the attention of the local law enforcement officers of the, the places where United have played to. Yes. When United played in Nigeria in 2008, descri- oh. describe your dress that day. <laughs> I was... Uh, I could, Chief Umbergo. Chief Umbergo, yeah, I had a, a Nigerian headdress and full, full, full coloured outfit on. I got, I got two proposals of marriage in the ground. Because... Where did you buy a full Nigerian dress from? In the, uh, in the shop of the hotel, yeah. So yeah. you went to the game dressed as Chief Umbergo? Yeah. And because I just, I didn't know at the time, but this suit I had on was like a chief suit, and I got two proposals of marriage because I was a chief. Yeah. A bit different from climbing the floodlights at Forest. <laughs> 85. You climbed the floodlights at Forest in 85, yeah. in the old Bridgeford end. Came out of that shallow terrace, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Why, why did you climb the floodlights for a better view? Better view, yeah. Full of sherry at the time. Yeah. Tell us two of your most memorable trips away with Manchester United and why. Um, and you, you're picking from hundreds, aren't you? Yeah. Duke of Prague away, 79. Is it 79? <laughs> 83. 83. That's, a, that's how good my memory is. Yeah, we went on the train. Absolutely brilliant. It's a great game. And I know people always go on about Barcelona, and it was good. But for me, Rotterdam, I just can't, can't get past Rotterdam for being brilliant. Why? It's just first time seeing him in a European thing and being there. And I just thought it was, it was just awesome. Yeah, like, you know, the support there was fantastic. I know it was in Barcelona, but I really just liked, I liked Amsterdam, you know, and obviously down to Rotterdam. But it's just brilliant. 
yeah. Those are my two favourites, Rotterdam and Duke of Prague. How has United changed since you started going? Um, well, I think we all know it's gone a bit more out of the working class environment into into more of a um, an up, is it up market. That's the wrong thing. But it's attracted a totally different type of support. Um, not always for the best, but the football's been fantastic. Fergie, can you? He's been fantastic what he's done for that club, and I suppose he's attracted people and people who just want to be associated with success. Whereas other people in the past just wanted to be associated with them because they're Man United and they love Man United. Now it's people who want to be associated with success, and it's a different demographic. So that's how it changes for me. Uh, Phil, tell us about this trip that you're doing now. United started in Seattle. Why? I've told people that have driven down this coast, and they said, Why didn't you just fly? Why didn't you just fly? The £80 airfare was uh, off-putting, so we went for the really cheap option of the $900 uh, car hire, uh, the three-day drive, which has taken us a lot longer than we thought. We've seen a lot of uh, trees, a lot of uh, ocean views, all spectacular, but it's a lot longer than we thought. Why did we choose it? It's one of the world's best drives, I think. And it was uh, we were keen to uh, see it for ourselves. That's... You've seen United around the world. One year, or maybe for two or three years, you moved to Sydney, Australia. Four years. You moved to, right. So you lived in Sydney for four years, and still went to games at Old Trafford. Just explain that. <laughs> what? Well, explain how? Or... It wasn't just for football. Which it, it was me working in both environments as well and flying in between. But I did clock up a. A lot of flights, uh, too many, way too many, and I had to come back because it was uh, it was too, too much. But that was down to United. I uh, I went on pre-season to Australia That's in '99, just after we won the treble. Fell in love with Sydney and uh, wanted to start my business off in Australia. Uh, I fell in love with it so much, so worked on that. Moved there in 2004. Uh, and still kept flying back, bizarrely. Not the first person to fall in love with Australia. Chris Robinson, who edited Red Issue for many years, he, he emigrated yeah. to Australia, didn't he, in about, about 2003? He was a, he was a very close, uh, maybe li- bizarrely, from one side of the world to the other. Chris lived about 200 yards away from me uh, when I moved to Manly, purely by coincidence, and uh, we, we became good friends as families. Um, He's ended up in Kuala Lumpur now, and I'm not going there following him, that's for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's a brilliant place. Before I ask Barmikev the same question, um, how, how are you feeling about United this season? Um, I think he's going to pull a great side together. No, sorry, maybe not a great side, a, 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 a winning side. I really would like to see us playing attractive football, and I'm not sure we did last year. Uh, can you have everything? I don't know. Uh, Schweinsteiger, great signing. I think we've missed a player like that since Kino left. It's it's going to be a really interesting year. Chelsea and City both strengthening. I think Arsenal have got a great squad as well, so it's going to be uh, going to be a mad season. Hopefully, two more signings to come, and maybe we're challenging. Fingers crossed. You follow this team, these players around the world. 
you ever come across the players? Do you speak to them? Any interesting stories over the years where they've said, what on earth are you doing here? Uh, very simple answer, Andy. No, I don't think I've ever met a player, hardly. Very occasionally. It's mad uh, these two... Yeah. This, this circus no. travels. People say, do you know them personally? I say, no, I've never spoken to a single one of them. And I speak to fans of, of your ilk, they don't want to know them. No, I'm not bothered. No, no, no interest no, in no, no, very few of them. Maybe if it was Gary Neville, Paul Scholes, yeah. Ryan Giggs era, there's very few people like that. And I don't particularly want to sit down and have a beer with Wayne Rooney and certainly not with Ronaldo or anybody like that although you, you, Ronaldo's one of my favourite ever players you mentioned Neville he'd love to come on something like this he'd enjoy it yeah bring Get, him along bring him along yeah Next great time. fantastic yeah but he's a, a, he's a genuine <laughs> he's a genuine you know and you, you meet players when they've <laughs> retired and I, I think you see a different side of them. Definitely. But today's modern footballers, I'm not particularly. Who would you want to go out for a beer with in that team today? There's very few, I suspect. I, I'm sort of like... Uh, we met Matter, didn't we, Dan, last year? And uh, De Gea getting off a train once. And they were, they were genuinely good guys, they seemed. And sure. down to earth as well. But predominantly, I've got no interest in them, I'd say. Watched Di Maria drive off and thought, see you later, alligator, and I wouldn't have spoken to him in a million years. Careful, ask you about United's first team, but you also go to a lot of the reserve and uh, under 18 games watching United. Um, tell me first of all about how you think United's first team will do this year, and then give me a little bit of an overview of how you see the youth set up being at United. Because I've spoken to, to some people recently, and there are issues there. That, Van Hall wants improvement, Woodward wants improvement, but there's still some cracking young players there. Maybe tell us about one or two of them, but first, how do you think the first team are going to do this year? I think the first team will do well. Uh, we need some more signings, obviously. Need a, need a centre-forward. We need to sort the centre-half situation out because what's there just isn't good enough for me. Who would you sign as a centre-forward? It's difficult, isn't it? Where, where you get sort of value for money but we need a goal getter that's for sure What about the club are currently saying play Rooney as a central striker by himself Got to with all those attacking minded players around him so you'd have Di Maria you'd have Mata Depay that's what the club are currently insinuating but that, that could easily be because they're wanting to bargain the price down of the, the strikers who they're, who, who they're looking for. We need Rooney to be a centre forward, not a midfield or not getting, like we were talking earlier before the podcast on getting balls off centre halves, that's no good he's a goal scorer, we need a goal scorer we need to get him as far up the field facing the goal and get players putting balls in front of him, I think that's where Falcao failed a little bit because we weren't getting the ball in front of him, he was playing with his back to goal too much and that's doubt the quality of the people around you really and what we had it's, it's sad, Falcao, because he, got, he was clearly a great player. He got nothing but love and support from United fans. I remember well, going to Southampton away in December and everyone was singing his name, or at Leicester when he, yeah. I think just, just after he'd signed. I think he'll have happy memories of United, but what a shame it didn't work out. Yeah, I, think, I hope he gets a good reception when he comes back because it didn't work out for him, but he was one of the best goal scorers in Europe, if not the world at the time. We didn't have a great Copa America either, so it's not just for United. Yeah, yeah. Because I think before Copa America, quite a few people were saying Mourinho's played a blinder here. 
he's a great player, Van Hal yeah. played yeah. him wrong, and then you saw him play for Colombia, and he wasn't that good, even in, his, in the environment he's supposedly most comfortable in. I think he hit the corner flag with two shots, and yeah. just an header went about 20 foot over, yeah, all good. Tell us about the under-21s and the under-18s, um, which players we should be looking out for, because you go to a lot of these matches. Try and get as many as I can. Uh, I always have over the years, probably dating back to the mid-70s. Uh, Jesse Lingard's good, I think he deserves a chance. Pereira, I think, deserves a chance, otherwise, with these people, we've got to get another situation similar to Pogba, which was one of the biggest farcical jokes of all time. You say that about Pogba. I don't recall a clamour for him to be kept by United fans at the time. Were people watching him for the reserves every week saying that this lad's brilliant and he's got to stay here, he's got to have a future here? Is that what you were saying at the matches when there were two or three hundred there? It was the standout player of the reserves, I think. Really was a, a special player. And we should have kept him. I think it was an argument over a little bit of money. And he never signed the, uh, the contracts when we were paying we were probably paying Bebe what we should have been paying Bogba. And then he went, and he's, he's probably going to be the best midfielder of his generation. Yeah. United got it wrong. Did get it wrong, big time. Well, it's not an exact science, is it? Some, some footballers work out, some of them don't. No, but he was special, you could see it. You could see it in the reserves week in, week out. His debut, if I remember right, was at Grested Old at Crewe, and you could see it then. As soon as he touched the ball, you could just see the way he was. And, yeah. Paul from Bolton describe the, the trip so far watching Manchester United in the, the United States well so far it's been absolutely beautiful yeah, we've had a cracking time on the, at the minute the, we're into the fifth day now away we go why'd you come on these trips well I come to the, the principal point is come to watch United I know they're only friendly games but we have a laugh we're surrounded by great people the fr friends you've met from travelling all over the world watching United in the first place and you get to see different countries and we pay for you <laughs> someone just chips in and we pay for you now. there'll be people listening to this who will think how on earth do you do it financially how do you juggle normal life with travelling around the world to watch Manchester United <laughs> how do you that's the worst question. Apparently, I've asked the worst, the worst person to, to answer this. Well, pass, just pass on. No, I'm a, I'm a taxi driver in Bolton. I'm self employed. I work hard uh, around United. So, when United aren't playing, I work 15, 16 hours a day. And that enables me to have time off to go to the game when United are actually playing. Uh, not, it's not the brilliant pay, but it, it funds what I want to do in my life. How many countries have you seen United playing? 46 to this day, I think, and it is 46. Tell me three of the most memorable trips that you've been on in all that time, watching United in the last, what, 30 years? Yeah, they're, they're all memorable, Andy, but we've done some mad things. Like You mentioned brought to Bolgograd in 95. I went with a couple of mates from Manchester. We played Everton on the Saturday. We flew to Heathrow, straight from Everton. Um, and then we got a flight to Moscow and a train for 30 hours to Volgograd. There was, there was three of us on, on the trip and we had a load of vodka in it. But we, got, we arrived back an hour before we played Bolton the following Saturday, so that was a seven-day trip. Um, another one that stands out is Tokyo in 2008. Um, we actually became world club champions there. 
Um, and that, that, that's also one of my favourite trips. But it was a week before Christmas, and to have 1,200 United fans there, in my eyes, one of the most expensive cities in the world, was a ph- phenomenal turnout. We just had a, a good 10 days there, a good blast. And also, another one that stands out is Brazil in 2000. Warned by the club not to go, not to go on a train, not to walk down the streets, not to do this. But it just turned out to one of the most fantastic trips. Just a pity United couldn't win when we were there. Yeah, it didn't work out on the pitch there. And, uh, Tokyo, those numbers were brilliant. And I was very proud of the number of people that United took there. And then Santos played there two years ago and took 22,000. I don't think Santos are supporters are any better than Manchester United fans. I just think in Brazil that, that World Club Championship is the biggest deal. It's like their European Cup and league title rolled into one. So there were Santos fans who went to Tokyo or Yokohama, where I think it was played. We'd never been to an away game before. The first ever away game was an inter, intercontinental one. Tell us about some of the other characters who come on these trips, Paul. Well, we, we spoke to the, well, in my eyes, the main people. There's a lad who's actually missing on this trip, is Peter Bolton. I think a lot of you out there will know him. Uh, we have to send our condolences to Peter because his wife fell ill. So he's one of the lads that's actually missing and we're, we're a bit uh, heartbroken for you, Peter. And Peter goes to the games, he puts his flag up behind the goal, he gets it signed by all the players, he travels with a couple of his mates and he's one of the many characters. Yeah, well, everybody's a different character, Andrew. We're all from different walks of life. And... Uh, that, that's probably what brings you all together and makes Manchester United what they are. You know, you've got businessmen, taxi drivers, policemen, solicitors. But when we're United are playing, we all come together as one, travel the world together, and we all want the same thing, and that's success for Manchester United. The last couple of seasons have been eventful, probably not what United fans have hoped for after two and a half decades of success. How do you feel about the current state of the club? Are you confident looking forward? I'm confident, Andy, because like like Kevin before, I go to the under-18s with Kevin and the under-21s, and there is players there that are coming through. I know City have got all this money and they're ploughing into the youth setup, but at the end of the day, I, I think these kids want to actually play for Manchester United. They're not Manchester United synonymous around the world. Manchester City isn't. So I, I think the future's bright, the future's red. So when you see Robin Van Persie, Phil Neville, Darren Fletcher putting their kids into Manchester City? Well, I can't really comment on why are they doing it. I just don't understand why they do it. Because they think City's youth system's better than United's, because they give them better education, because the facilities are better. Well, I'm yet to see that. I went to City at the end of last season in a reserve game. The setup is phenomenal, I'll give it that. But I don't see Manchester City U team winning trophies like Manchester United have in the past. Who do you consider to be United's main rivals? Who do you personally feel? A United fan, you grew up in Bolton? Yeah, correct. But my main rivals to, to, to this day are Liverpool. Uh, Manchester United and Liverpool, in my eyes, and I hate to say it, they're the two biggest clubs in the, in the world by a long way. Wherever you go in the world, you go to a paddy field in India, you'll see a United shirt, you'll see a Liverpool shirt. You won't see a Barcelona shirt, you won't see a Real Madrid shirt. It's United and Liverpool, and Liverpool are my most detested club. Why? You had a, you had a bit of my a couple of years ago there? Well, I did, I did. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the lads. These things happen, Stanley Park and all that. I got attacked by a few of the lads, shall we say. And uh, things like that happen, but you don't have grudges against things like that. You just carry on with your life. What's the greatest memory from a United-Liverpool game? The greatest memory has got to be the winning the double in 1996 at Cantona, or 85 minutes I think it was. 
to win the double against Liverpool at Wembley doesn't get much better than that, does it? Spoke to someone who played in that game uh, recently, who's a guest on what a forthcoming podcast, uh, Michael Thomas. He's good mates with Andy Cole, and I like Michael. I've known him for <laughs> five or ten years. Um, he's a London lad who ended up making Liverpool his home. But he, he doesn't. When I speak to him, I don't see him as, as, as a Liverpool person. But he's he's a guest on a future podcast, so you might enjoy speaking to him. I certainly enjoyed as a United fan watching him score for Arsenal at Anfield in, in 1989. That was very dramatic. Uh, Danny, you you travel the world. Tell us about some memorable trips that you, you've been on over the years. Um, the, my three favourite trips, uh, pre-season trips, which is uh, 2001, which you mentioned before, which was uh, the debuts for Nisselroy and Veron um, in uh, Kuala Lumpur. Can you remember how excited people were about Juan Sebastian Veron oh, when he signed? Absolutely. It was the greatest player in, of, uh, in Europe at the time. And, you know, it's such a shame it didn't work. He always seems to play better in Europe than he did in, in the Premier League. Although I still think that it went the, uh, the 5-3 when we were 3-0 down at Tottenham, I thought he made a big difference in that game and he uh, in that second half I thought it was absolutely superb. So uh, so yeah that, it was uh, that was a great great trip uh, 2001. That was my first big pre-season travelling away. Um, then in uh, 2011 fantastic time in, uh, in in the states Chicago, New York, Washington. Um, four fosses day on record in Washington. Uh, we were travelling 200 yards in a taxi just trying to keep cool. Uh, but great cities, and, and coming on this one, again, you're just getting to see the world, aren't you? Places you've never been or will have any reason to come to. So watching United brings you to a, a new new level, really. We're playing Barcelona this week. They don't have an equivalent hardcore. There won't be any Barca fans here, even though they're clearly one of the biggest clubs in the world. Uh, some, I think it's something that English clubs do because United are probably the biggest English club there are, there are more of them there'll be more people coming to San Francisco to join up and you'll know more yeah of course I will um, because they become mates yeah that's it over the years you get to meet more and more people and um, you know San Francisco is again a city I've never been to and a lot of people know that uh, are coming over just because United have never played in San Francisco at least I don't think they have so uh, no it'll be a great game should be a good time there's a young lady with us and she said that she does not want to go on the podcast. <laughs> However, and she's shaking her head at me, I just want to ask her one, one question and that's about Paddy Crerand. Because, Karen, you, you bumped into Paddy a couple of weeks ago and he, yeah. he tell me, you met him in, in Manchester. Tell me what happened next. I met him in Manchester. He was with his two granddaughters um, and we just got talking. Um, he said... You know, how's things going? Was you going on the trip? Yeah. I asked him, was he coming on the trip and when he was setting off? And he's absolutely devastated. He said no, um, due to the fact that United was uh, making cutbacks. And he was absolutely heartbroken. He wasn't going, and so was I. Why is Paddy so important to a fan like yourself? What does he do well? He's Apart from moan. He's with the fans 24-7. To me, it comes second to, you know, he's first to the club, is the fans. Football's second for him. The fans are more important than the football at the moment. Um, it's like he says, the fans are there, they pay the, the players' wages. I, I've seen a T-shirt with Paddy's face on the front. Could you tell us a little bit more about it? 
Yes, I believe there's one asking where Paddy is. Um, a tour's not the same without Paddy. He's 76, he'd probably be very flattered to hear it, but he can't go on to... I'm not putting him in his deathbed, he'd probably be laugh at that, but I think he's, he is one of those people who, who appreciates the travelling supporters. Who, never who gets come, come on, And he never gets a beer in. Uh, is that, can we just register that as a complaint against Mr. Crowen? That's a complaint, that's a complaint. <laughs> he never, never gets the beer in. I'm stuck in with the villain, Nigeria. Yeah. And, and, so that's it for this podcast what are your plans in the next couple of hours Phil? you're going to drive on to San Francisco you're going to meet up with more friends there no we're going to go to Manchester California and meet some uh, the Red Indians of Manchester tribe we're going to exchange shirts and pleasantries and drink some moonshine I've been driving for six hours today. I've got another three hours, 15 minutes to go to the Bay Area of San Francisco from where I will bring you the next podcast, hopefully with some more interesting characters. Until then, goodbye. Good